Holly and her husband Blake are such a tremendous blessing to my family. And uh, also, Holly is, as she said, a Christian counselor, and I have leaned on her personally. She and Blake have been a source of wisdom for me, and also uh, professionally, I have uh, recommended people to go and see Holly, and they've been blessed. And um, also, another thing, Holly is a, a graduate of Reformed Theological Seminary in Jackson, and uh, it's always a wonderful thing to have another seminary graduate, and there's many here in our church um, for me as a pastor, because when I come up with questions or I reach a, I'm not sure what to do here, to be able to reach out and talk to somebody who has understanding, and she is always so willing to talk and to share her wisdom, so what I told her earlier, I just said, Holly, this is so good. I just want to become a Methodist and believe in women preachers. It's just so good. She did such a wonderful job this morning, and I was just inspired uh, and touched and reminded because that's our story, too. Andrea's story, my story since we've come here. You all have loved us. You've loved our family, and I know that's y'all's story as well. So praise God for what he is doing in the Palmer family. Praise God for what he's doing in our family. Praise God for what he's doing out here for these facilities. Because we know buildings are buildings. One day these buildings will either fall down or be torn down. But the work that's being done in people's lives is forever. And that is the privilege of what we have a regular uh, opportunity to be a part of here each week. I want to invite you to take your copy of the Lord's Word and turn to Genesis, Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. If you were able to attend Bible study this morning or had a wonderful lesson this morning by Dr. Ronnie Young, it was so inspirational in uh, Grow Groups today, and we're going to continue that conversation as we talk about Abram, or Abraham and Sarah, and the news they get that they are going to have a baby boy. So we're talking today about this kind of faith. That's impossible faith. One of the things that we've talked about as you look at the life of Abraham, the father of the faith, the first we saw the end of the unknown faith, where he was willing to go to a land that he'd never been to before and just trust that God was going to show him what he needed to be shown. And then the very next week, we talked about it's my sister faith, that the man who trusted God to go to an unknown place apparently has a, a lapse in the moment, so to speak, and doesn't trust him enough to stay and goes to Egypt and then ends up deceiving Pharaoh and conning him. And it, it's a bad look. It's a bad, it's a bad moment. It's a bad chapter. But then the next chapter where the man of faith trusts God to provide and not only is he able to make peace with his son, or excuse me, not his son, but his, his, his nephew Lot, uh, he is able to also communicate that he's trusting God to be his inheritance there and that he trusts that God is his inheritance kind of faith. And then the next week, we moved to the next part of the story, not just into the unknown, not just she's my sister, not just God is my inheritance, but God must be waiting on us to do something kind of faith. That is the Hagar chapter when it was, well, we're not having any kids, so here you go, Abraham, sleep with my servant Hagar. And Abraham just says, okay, and then there's Ishmael. And then Hagar gets used and abused by the people of God. It's, it's a bad look, bad chapter. It's so unfortunate, 
And yet, God does this redeeming thing. He meets Hagar at the well, which still I'm persuaded has to be one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible, where God says, I want you to name your son Ishmael, which means God hears. I want you to name him God hears, and that also she then turns and names God El Roi, which means God sees. So God hears this. It's such a beautiful story, and we wouldn't have that story if Abraham and Sarah had not been ridiculous. So God works amazing things. But this week, we're going to talk about another moment. This is the kind of faith that that's impossible faith. This is the moment where we find out that they're going to have a baby in their old age. The main idea is this, is God has a way of doing things in a way only he can do. God has a way of doing things in a way only he can do. I want you to read with me Genesis 18 verses 1 through 15. It will be on the screen. And the Lord appeared to him, this is Abraham, by the oaks of Mamre. As he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I've found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. So Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three seas of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a calf tender and good and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. And he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. And they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will, assure, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it saying, I did not laugh for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. So what is this story about? This story is about that God has a way of doing things in an only, God has a way of doing things in a way only he can do. Several quick things this morning. First is this, as, as we look at this story, and I don't know how it all came together, got to remember that everything in the Bible was moving much, much slower. Like for instance, when people pulled up at your house, or in their case, their encampment, they're not rolling up in a minivan. They're not rolling up in an SUV. They're coming on foot or on camels or on donkeys. 
and they're moving really slow. Abraham would have seen them coming from a long way away, and it was clear they were coming to his house today. And as we see this happening, this exchange, does he know who these people are? He immediately shows hospitality and reverence, and we're going to talk about that in a minute but it seems to be even though we can't prove it it seems to be that Abraham knew that these are not just three ordinary visitors these are from God more specifically the one of the three is going to be referred to as the Lord in the story and as we think about this about this impossible thing that's about to happen here's the thing I want you to take away first from this story is don't forget that Abraham laughed first Don't forget that Abraham laughed first. We often, when we think about laughing, when being told that Isaac was going to be born, remember Isaac's name, it means laughter. We think about Sarah laughing. But don't forget, Abraham laughed first. In Genesis 17, 15 through 17, we looked at it last week. God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Look at this portion. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? So as we're playing this story out, as we look down in verse number 13, um, after God says, hey, listen, you're going to have a baby and Sarah is going to have a baby. Sarah laughs. And I want you to see this. I, I didn't catch this. I've never caught this before until this week of preparation. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? And it never occurred to me before until this week. God looks at Abraham and asks, hey, why is Sarah laughing about this? And the the answer is this. Abraham apparently had not gotten around to telling her that God was going to give them a baby. So she laughs about it. It's hitting her for the first time. Abraham laughed. Apparently, Abraham hadn't told Sarah God's plan. Maybe it was just too unbelievable. Maybe when Abraham heard God that, hey, listen, you're going to have a baby, it's just so hard to believe that he didn't know, you know, how he could say something so unbelievable to his wife. Maybe it was just too sensitive. Remember, in a day and age were being barren and infertile, it was a sign that God was against you, that your worth of a woman was 100% connected to being a wife that produced sons for your husband. And she has been barren her entire life. This is a woman who has hurt and hurt and hurt some more. This is a woman that month after month after month after month for probably 30, 40 years thought, is it this month? Is it this month? Is it this month? And no, 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 no. Which probably led her to a place of not just hurt, but ultimately where hurt leads is kind of indifference. Where you just kind of stop caring because you've been hurt for so long. Maybe this is why Abraham, when he heard, hey, listen, Sarah's going to have a son, and he laughs about it, he's like, wow, 
is just too sensitive. And we already know from the Hagar story that Sarah is a deeply hurt woman by this. Infertility is a hard battle today. It's a hard battle in the ancient world. It was such a heavy burden. Maybe Abraham was like, I just, I'm not touching that. I can't bring that topic up with her. God, if you want her to know, you're going to have to tell her. I don't know. Maybe it was just awkward. And that could be too. I mean, Sarah's 90. And maybe it was just maybe a little weird to say, hey, baby, God told me you're going to have a baby. Like, maybe that just doesn't go over right when you're 90 and 100 years old. Like, would Sarah look back and be like, hey, what, what, what are you getting at here? Like, you, you got some ideas or something, but I don't know. Maybe it's just awkward. I don't know. But for whatever reason, God tells Abraham and Abraham laughs and doesn't tell Sarah. So it hits her with fresh ears when God shows up here at the Oaks of Mamre and says, Listen, Sarah is going to have a baby. Y'all, it's hard to describe what you believe God has told you. Maybe this is the reason that Abraham had not let Sarah in on what God was doing, at least in this way. You know, what we believe that God has revealed to us is one of the most precious things about us. I've had conversations with multiple people in this room about what God has revealed to you at some point in your life. Some of you have literally made your life a mission based on what you believe God has led you and revealed to you at certain points of your life, and it has redefined everything about you. Because friends, what God, you believe that God has revealed to you and given you as a direction for your life is one of the most precious things about you. It's the most precious things to you. And sometimes, have you ever been in that place where you believe that God is leading you and it's so quiet and it's so precious and you have this overwhelming sense through the, his word, through the inner peace of the Holy Spirit, through providential circumstances that it's just so clear to you that God is leading you and then you try to tell something about it or you try to tell somebody about what God's doing in your life and you feel like you just can't do it justice. You know, Jesus cautioned us about being careful to whom we entrust these special things. He says in Matthew 7, verse 6, Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. I know I've been in that place before where it's not calling people pigs, but I don't mean it like that, but you believe that God has given you something very special and you, you, you try to tell somebody, but you clearly tell the wrong person because... They've got their mind on other things and they just casually dismiss this precious thing that you believe that God has revealed to you. Maybe, maybe there was something of that. Maybe Abram didn't believe or Abraham didn't believe that Sarah was in a place where she could receive this special word. for I don't know. It's just complicated. It's hard to describe why things were the way they were, but they happen. And don't forget that before we make light of Sarah, and we shouldn't anyway, but before we think about Sarah laughing, Abraham laughed first. Principle number two is this, is that Abram reminds us, Abraham reminds us that the only thing we have control over is our response and posture towards God. One of the things I love about this story, I mean, he's 100 years old. She's 90 years old. They 
They can't make a baby if they tried. They can't make it rain if they try. They can't make their herds multiply and produce if they try. They can't prevent a famine if they try. They don't control the ancient weather. They don't control the ancient economy. They don't control any of that stuff. But the one thing that they control is the same thing that we control. And this is our response towards God. So many of us in this room are overwhelmingly stressed out over things we have absolutely no control over. And we fret about them all day long and they weigh heavy on us and it's literally taking years off of our lives. And you got no control over it. You can control one thing and that is your response towards what's coming at you. This is the only thing you can control. We can control our response towards God. We see this, that Abram runs to greet the visitors. He shows reverence. The greeting of, oh Lord, is one of humility. But moving forward for the sake of time, another one, making a guest a fine meal in the ancient world, a show of hospitality and honor. He's showing that this, this, this response that his his heart is postured in a way that he is welcoming others into his life he's welcoming God into his life that his response towards God is that of graciousness towards God and graciousness towards other people I wish I had time to talk more about hospitality I one of the things that Andrea and I talk about a lot is navigating hospitality because she and I enjoy being hospitable we love that we love welcoming people into our home. We love having you. Many of you have been. And if, uh, if you haven't, hopefully there will come a day where you, you can. But we also, we have like one of the things that has gotten increasingly hard for us is being hospitable, this hospitable as our children have increased. Because, not with the older children, because they're self-sufficient and they take care of themselves, but like the, the younger three, especially the younger two, can be forces of uh, destruction let's just put it that way I, I was telling uh, I was telling somebody earlier yesterday I said I think my son broke something of mine every day this week like each day it was a different thing that he like just it's just it's broken it's gone and then to top it all off like um the, the one that got to me was he got my hat and he threw it down on the ground and the dog chewed it up. This is my favorite fishing hat. Oh, but I'm not mad about it. I'm a good dad, right? <laughs> but no, I was a little mad about it. I was mad at the dog. I was mad at it. Yeah, but how could you be mad at a three-year-old? Things like, oh, oh my goodness. But still, like hospitality is a complicated thing, right? Especially when you have all these variables. Apparently it was then because Abraham's like, hey, um, hey, I'll kill the fatted calf. Y'all get it. Uh, woman, get in there and make some bread. Get with the ladies. Y'all, we got to get this together. Come on, you do the best you can, right? And we know that hospitality ultimately is not about how you set the table and how the furniture looks and how clean the carpet is. It's the position of your heart. It's a place of welcomeness. You can walk into a house and know where you're welcome and know where you're not. And Abraham welcomed these people welcome God into his life. Abraham reminds us the only thing that we control is our response and posture towards God and to that towards other people. The final thing is this, is that Abraham's 
And Sarah's story reminds us there is no impossibility which can prevent God from fulfilling his promises. Apparently, great faith, and this has been a reoccurring theme, can still contain doubts. Abraham laughs about it, and Sarah laughs about it. Apparently, great faith can still contain doubts. Also, faith builds up on faith. This story and this journey of faith that we're on, you keep in mind, believing and trusting that God is going to give them a baby like all of this act of faith is built on all the other acts of faith. It wasn't Abraham and Sarah that decided that they wanted to have a child in the promised land. No, God sent them to the promised land. God is the one that promised them multiplied thousands of descendants. God is the one who promised them all of this stuff. The burden of all of this stuff happening is upon God and faith builds upon faith. It's one of the things that we this week we had some of our shut-in and homebound folks come and walk through the building. And on Tuesday they went and they went through the building and we walked them through or pushed them in wheelchairs. And they loved seeing all the changes. It was so inspirational. And one of the dear ladies in our church who's now not able to come very often, her name is Miss Carolyn Lee. She said, Pastor Matt, she said, when we're talking about the mark of faith, she said, you've got to remember, and we've got to remember as a church that faith builds upon faith. Faith builds upon faith, Brother Matt. She said, we're not just trusting God. We're trusting in a God we've already seen provide. So faith builds upon faith. She said, Brother Matt, where God guided us in the harvest, he provided. And where God has guided us here in the mark of faith, he will provide again. Faith builds upon faith. Worry builds upon worry too. But in this story, we say faith builds upon faith, which leads me to the next thing, which is where God guides, he provides. I remember when we started all these changes and Lord, do you want us to do this? Like, is this what you're leading to the church to do? Like how, like, this is not a class that they taught in seminary. For me, I was in way out of my depth, all of those things. And I remember there was an older pastor who pulled me aside, encouraged me. He said, Brother Matt, he said, there's one question that you have to ask. There's the only one question you need to answer to in this season. And that is, is God leading? Because if he's leading, you can trust that where he guides, he provides. That's the only question you have to ask. Is God leading? And that not just for our church, but also our individual lives. We panic and we worry about all the obstacles. There's really one question. Is God leading what I'm doing? Because I don't want to be out in front of him. I don't want to go off in a direction that he's not leading in. But if I can have the peace of God of knowing, yes, Lord, I see that what you're doing, not just in my heart, but in the life of our church and through prayers and trust and the providences of God and all of these things, is, is there a seeming direction from God that's in agreement with his word and agreements with the people of God he's leading? And the answer to that was an overwhelming yes during that season, and then we saw God provide. And then finally is this, and that when God provides, only he can get the credit. A verse that has become so important to me over the last seven and a half years of being your pastor is Psalm 115.1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your 
faithfulness. When God provides, only he can get the credit. You know, when God gave Abraham and Sarah a baby, a hundred-year-old man conceived a baby with a 90-year-old woman. Could you imagine if one of the retirement homes or nursing homes here in Tupelo, that somehow we got word out that one of the residents, not the workers, but one of the residents was expecting. And not one of like the, hey, you know, one of these things where like a oh, surrogate mother or anything. No, 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 no. Old-fashioned way. So-and-so's expecting. You can better believe that would be national news. St. John Chrysostom, a pastor 1,500 years ago, he said, when your Jewish friends tell you, how in the world can you believe that a man was born of a virgin? Talking about Jesus. He said, just say the same reason you all believe that two senior adults had a baby. Because of God. Because of God. It was in the first service, one of our 90-year-olds was here. Bless her heart. She was here, and she was walking out. She spoke to one of our uh, church leaders as she was walking out. She had her walker, and she was walking up, walked right out there, and uh, that aisle. And he said, hey, it was so good to see you today in church. It was, good. She, it was great. She said, turns out, I may have a baby. She said, I might need to find me a husband after all. It's amazing what God can do. Friends, God has a way of doing things that only he can do. And we can trust him that when he says it, that settles it. You don't have to figure out how you're going to make it work. Is he leading? Is where he guides. He provides no matter how impossible it may seem. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these moments. Lord, we thank you for your word that is not just sufficient to save us, but Lord, your word that is sufficient to fashion us into people that look more and more like Jesus. We thank you for the honesty about these people in the text. Help us to grow today. No matter what we're facing, what obstacle, whether it be personal, corporate, whatever, what big thing that is out there, that, Lord, where you guide, you provide. We thank you for that, Lord. We trust you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen.